0: What is the second component? Story is the first. What is the second orientation point?
1: Well, the, the second is desire. So first, we have to be aware of the context that we are in, fully aware of that. Then we must also be alert and oriented to not only story, but our own desires. Um, you know, a, a, such a key, key core verse that we will hit again and again is Philippians 2.13, which says, For it is God who is producing in you both the desire and the ability to do what pleases him. So, so when people talk about, you know, I just want to find God's calling on my life. I want to live that life of purpose. I want to find my destiny, or whatever words they put to, to this core idea, you, you can really get down to what this verse talks about. I want to find a life that would please God. In other words, the life that God has given me to live. He's created me to live this. And so this verse says right here that God is producing in us the desires to live the life that would please him. So if, if we want to find this life, we just have to go to our desires. I mean, the great news is is that the life that we are supposed to live is the life we most want to live. Now, now, to understanding the wanting, understanding desires is something we'll spend a whole other broadcast on because we have to go deep into that. Um, but we have to be alert and oriented to our desires all the time
0: and what is a what is a person let me let me say something first. I think that that whole notion of desire gets sabotaged by one of two things: one is shame that my desires simply are not worth exploring or certainly not worth living from. And the second idea is this bad heart theology, that the believer has still a wicked heart and is selfish and bent towards their own desires. But that is actually not what Scripture indicates. There is a whole repository of new desires that are unique to us when we get this new heart. So I just want to say there's a reason why desire has not been a category that we think in for discovering our calling um but what i wanted to ask is what does a person a man or a woman look like who's lost their sense of desire
1: okay and, and let me let me just I, I love what you just said about desire you know um again if somebody says well you know you have to stay away from desire if you're going to live a holy life well the scripture alone and this is just one and we'll go through many many scriptures as this goes on but this alone says that God is putting the desire in our heart to do what pleases Him. So you have to go to desire. You can't throw it out, for God said, I'm going I'm to let you know the life I want you to live by your desires. And yet, you know, you and I know, and we'll get into this deeper, that not every desire is good. But on the other hand, you know, Jesus says that the the good that comes from a man's life is the good in the man's heart, in a person's mm-hmm. heart. So, so, yes, we have to go to desire. Now, the person... I find the same thing. It's either people are afraid of desire or the person says, I have no desire. And and that just simply is untrue of a human being. Every person has desire. We are made that way. Again, we just look at this one simple verse that says God is putting the desires on your heart to do what pleases him. So therefore, as human beings, we are people of desire. Um, So when someone says, you know, I just don't care about anything. I don't have any real desire. Well, my first question is to myself, what is blocking this? What is Mm. either blocking it, what has disguised it, what has overcome it? It exists, but it just isn't um, accessible for this person at this moment, and I want to know why that is. And a person that has no desire um, is a person that experiences very little life. I mean, you can't even, Mm. I mean, go back to this You know, if people think, well, my calling is just to love people, you can't love people without desire. I mean, Hmm. you're loving without your heart if you're doing it without desire. Now, I'm not saying there's not a place for duty uh, and discipline. There are times when our heart is so exhausted or so hurting or so shut down for some reason that we have to do what's right, though we don't feel like it. But as C.S. Lewis said, if you operate out of duty and, desire, duty and obligation all the time, and duty and obligation is like a crutch, if you are constantly losing a, using a crutch, there's something wrong because at some point your leg needs to get better and then you need to operate without a crutch. Or in other words, you need to operate without duty and obligation. You go back to desire, your desire to love God, your desire to love others. So a life without desire um, is, is an unhealthy life.
0: Um, and can you can you share that story it's a great story where you, I don't know if you went to a some sort of marriage conference or something like that but you you got advice on kind of how to you know approach your wife and um, and and what that looked like and but it, but it wasn't what she really needed do you remember oh, that story yeah.
1: yeah yeah that's a great story and it isn't a great story
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so so yes I go to this uh, this uh, retreat. And it was called Dad, Dad the Family Shepherd. And uh, when they were done with the weekend, uh, they asked people to get in what they called e-groups, encouragement groups, and, and go through their list of assignments. And one of them was to take your wife out to dinner and ask her a series of questions, um, which they had written out. And they were great questions. They really were. It was asking. It was really just probing into your wife's heart. Um, but I wrote these questions down. I was being far more led by duty than desire at this point. And so we went out. I uh, was sitting across from her. I pulled out my day timer that I'd, where I'd written all my questions down. And <laughs> as we were sitting there, I, you know, I'd, I'd glance down and read the question. And then I'd say, so, sweetheart, w- what have you always dreamed of doing? And she talked to me a little bit. And then after a little bit, I'd say, uh, so, sweetheart, what was one of your favorite experiences growing up? And I think it was I think it was after I asked the second question, but she looked at me and she said, "Are you reading those questions?" And and I, you know, she caught me and I said, "Yes." And she goes, "Is this an assignment, or is this something that you came up with?" And I said, "Well, no, actually, it's an assignment." And um, and she just looked at me and she reached across the table and grabbed my hand and she said, "Sweetheart," she said, "I love your intention here, but I want your heart." and not your questions mm. and your fulfilling of your assignment. Mm. And it, it was an eye-opener for me. It really was. that At that point, as much as I wanted to love her with my heart, I wasn't even attached to my own heart at that point. I wasn't living yeah. out of desire. I was living out of duty. And that's not what she wanted. And, uh, and so not only did I realize it with her, but I also realized it with God, you know, that it – He just will say, you know, I I appreciate the discipline you're putting forth here, but at some point you need to be living out of desire now.
0: Mm. Yeah, and we wonder why so many believers burn out. You know, it's because of that we're living out of, strictly out of duty and desire. And so we, we have this idea that the, quote, commands of God are something to be done without desire, and it's killing us. Um, well, okay,
1: let me throw out another verse real quickly. Psalm uh, twenty-five twelve. It says, um, who is it that fears the Lord? In other words, who is it that knows God? And then it goes on, it said, God will instruct him in the way chosen for him. And he confides in those who fear him. Um, you see, it's a, this is such a fascinating idea, that God will instruct us in the way chosen for us, and he will confide in us. There's, there's something... There's some way that he speaks to us in confidence to us. Uh, George MacDonald said, with every man and woman, God has a secret. And and this is what he's referring to, that God has this secret of who we are, what we have been created to do, and that secret, that, that confidence that God shares with us is in the form of our desires, who we are, what we most want to do because that's what we are made to do. And, and so that's why Paul can say in 1 Corinthians nine sixteen, he said, "Look, when I preach the gospel, I can't boast about it because I am compelled to preach. If I don't, woe to me." And I mean that's the way we're supposed to be living when it comes to desire. There is something that God has put in our heart that we so want to do, and woe to us if we don't. I mean, we're just going to die if we don't do what's in our heart to do. Speak these things. Do these things. Perceive these things, whatever that is.
0: Mm. Um, and that's so helpful. Um, and let's let's move to the third. Uh, so we've got two points so far, two um, points of orientation. We've got story. Uh, by that we don't mean myth; we mean the context we're in. Then we've got desire. These desires of the deep heart. And then the third one is journey. Um, how does that point factor into helping us get oriented?
1: Yeah, journey, another word for journey might be, a scriptural word would be pilgrimage, that we're on a pilgrimage, a journey. We're we're in a process. And when we fail to see life and our life as in a process, we misinterpret the work of God. You know, so many times we hear stories, uh, you know, somebody stands up and kind of gives their testimony and why they're doing what they're doing, or how God called them to the mission field, or whatever it is. Um, and we hear these stories, and you know, the, the person's maybe given, you know, 20 minutes to tell their story, or perhaps 45, perhaps an hour. And and of course, you could never tell a lifelong story well in that time, and so they shortcut it. and And we hear it, and we think, well, why doesn't God speak quickly to me like he did to them, and why can't I make an immediate life change like they made? Because it appears Mm. that they didn't have a journey and a process. They had an epiphany and an immediate life change. And Mm. yet, I think that if you were to to get them aside and say, tell me your story, take your time, we have hours, and you probed, you would find out, oh, you know, between this desire coming up in their heart, And they're actually being able to walk in it to some degree may have been years and may have been many things going on, teaching and hardship and lessons and experience and all of those things. But because we don't often hear it, we misinterpret it, and therefore we think, God, why don't you do that for me? Why is it that their life is easy and mine is hard? Why do they have success and I have nothing but struggle? And so we misinterpret because we don't understand journey there's a journey to our a process to our life
0: and I, I i should say that that's probably one of the most helpful things for me personally because once you get a sense of you get a little bit more dialed in on what what your particular calling is you're going to go through periods <laughs> in fact we're going to talk about that um you and i later but uh, you're going to go through periods where you're just thinking what is going on here? I seem to be hitting this wall. I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but nothing's moving, you know, and then you get into these false con—false conclu- conclusions like, you know what, God is just mean, or mm-hmm. I, I'm blowing it. Right. You know, it leads you down some paths that are just so not helpful.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's so true, and you, you're right, we'll, we'll go into depth in this in a little while, but yeah, Oswald Chambers says that God gives a person a vision and then he takes him down into the valley and batters him into the shape of that vision. And it is there where so many faint and give way. Because God says, okay, now you're starting to see what it is, the life I want you to live, and you can read it in your desires. Now I need to, I need to bring you up to the level of your calling, of your, uh, of your life, of the glory of your life. And he brings us into these places to now train us and equip us. And that's where we go, uh-uh, this cannot be God. I, I've never <laughs> heard anybody going through things like this. Well, you know, again, we've probably not heard another person's story well. And, and Oswald Chambers said the shame is that's where people faint and give way. They walk away. And, and how many people have we seen in our life? that we would attribute their life as a great life, as a follower of Jesus Christ. We think, man, that man or that woman, their thinking is so clear. They're so articulate. They help people so well. Look what they created. And they just seem amazing. And then a year or two later, you hear the sad story of their moral fall or the, uh, the wake of hurt and pain that they have with other believers because of the way they treat people. And how they've gone from this, you know, excited, humble follower of God to now this arrogant, you know, uh, control-seeking person. And you think, what happened to them? Well, I would venture to say that they had, God had not developed them up to the level of their calling, the glory of their life, the weightiness of their life. And they weren't prepared to handle it. And it took them out. Um, and so I, I think if we understand journey, see, then, then we can be excited about hardship because we can, we can say, oh, I think God is training me to do this better than I could do it right now. I'm going to be a different person six months from now, a year from now than I am today, which will allow me to do more of what God has created me to do. And that, that puts a whole different life, uh, light on life if we can see journey in that way.
0: And, uh, you know, I've been praying, I think, a somewhat <laughs> scary prayer in those times because I'm just I'm, I'm getting this idea of journey. I'm, I'm, I'm getting the idea that there may be something going on, this, this training and development, this ever-increasing process. So one of my prayers, thankfully, that I've been able to pray is, God, if I'm not ready <laughs> for this next phase, or if there's some development of my heart some strengthening that needs to happen but i don't by that i don't mean that my heart is evil or there's sin in the way but there is a maturing so that we can as you said handle the glory because what again what we offer is not nothing light it is consequential and monumental so lord if i'm not ready for that as much as i hate to feel stuck here um it probably is a great rescue <laughs> that you're not allowing me to just sort of charge the field with this.
1: Yes. Yeah, it, it it is amazing. It it is not only the preparing for us to carry the weightiness of our life well for others, but it's it really is saving us. You know, it's that it's that line out of the Mask of Zorro where he said to this young untrained man who had no concept of the enemy that he wanted to fight. He said, you you know, you would have fought bravely, but you would have died quickly. And I see that in the body of Christ. You know, now now taking out the the people that that try to enter into things more out of a sense of to be seen and to become somebody, but so many good-hearted people that really jump in and try to fight bravely, but really do die quickly. They're really taken out quickly because they were not prepared for what they were going to encounter. You know, I mean, I, I just think of Moses, you know, bringing his people into the promised land, this, this place, this life that they were created to live, and so God delivers them into this, but as they're coming in, he says to the people, um, I will give you this land l- only little by little until you have increased enough to take possession of the land, and I think that's true with our life. I mean, I think that verse can be directly put over our life, that God will give us the life we were created to live, the ability to to actually uh, the empowerment to do what 's on our heart to do little by little you know to the point until we are uh, we have increased enough to actually take possession of it well, not only that we can we can prosper and let me use it i don't like the word prosper that we can that we can grow and, and do this well and bless other people with it but also that we can flourish with it as well
0: mm. Yeah, and that's, that's the great gift is that not only is this something that, that life is going out from us, but we in the process of this journey are flourishing, as you said, and really coming into our own radiance. So even in those moments when we feel stuck and we feel like, gosh, I just don't want to go into this prep mode, this training mode again, it really is something that God is drawing, offering more life to us um, and to draw our hearts out um, not just for the sake of the story, but for us. And, and that's, that is absolutely beautiful. Right.
1: Um, well, and you know what, we, th- we think of the, you know, the verse that we've all heard, that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So he, he had to grow in wisdom. Um, he had to grow in stature, which means physically growing up, stature, and in, in uh, favor with God and man, how to live with man, how to be in favor with man and, and favor with God. Now, if Jesus had to go through that process, of course we do as well. And, and then, you know, we think about Luke 640, which says a student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. So, of course, we have to go through this journey, this pilgrimage, this process to actually grow into the ability to handle the the weightiness of our life. So, So, right, we have to be aware, alert and oriented to the story that we're living in, as well as our own story. We have to be alert and oriented to our desires, because that's where God writes what it is that we were created to do. And then we have to be alert and oriented to the fact that we live in a journey. There's a process of development going on. And, boy, when we, when we are aware of those three things, like with the GPS unit, we'll know, you know, within feet of where we are and how to get to where we need to go.
0: Hmm. Right, because disorientation is an awful sense, even for the believer. Um, um, and we're gonna we're gonna move next time into the issue of mystery, which again is just so helpful interpreting what's going on, because I think that's part of what we need is we need someone to come alongside, whether it be other people or or God's own counsel to help us interpret um, those times where we just don't know what's going on, even if we are oriented. So mystery is next time. Um, and, and I'll announce on my blog when uh, when that'll be scheduled but okay. uh, we have just a couple minutes but just for listeners to know again um, Gary's website is thenobleheart.com he's got great resources there and uh, video blogs as well um, Gary really appreciate it and I'm looking forward to getting into this even a little bit deeper next time
1: me too, me too, This is I'm just enjoying you and I discussing these topics together and and so you're welcome. I'm enjoying doing this with you, and I look forward to the next ones.
0: Hey, thanks, Gary. Appreciate it. All bye right.
1: Bye. Bye-bye.